Titus chapter 1, verses 10 to 16. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Emergency, code red, DEFCON 1, 999, threat level midnight. This is what is going through Paul's mind as he writes verse 10. For there are many. They can seem like harmless words, but as he writes, there are present tense, many, multiple false teachers at work, deceiving people on Crete. Take action, Titus. How bigger problem do you think people being deceived by so-called Christian teachers is? Where does it rank on your list of concerns, on your prayer list? What are you doing about it? Paul thinks it matters. The four in For There Are Many connects our passage tonight to last week's, giving the reason why appointing many transformed Bible teachers to lead churches, what we saw last week, is so important. As you came to St. Helens today, you will have passed many buildings where a false gospel is being preached. Many people today, deceived into thinking that they are okay with God when they're not, will be cut off forever from him if they do not get told the truth. I think that we're aware of it, but... I know that I'm often not that bothered about it. Maybe we're tired of hearing about it from this pulpit. Maybe we feel resigned to it. But Paul isn't panicking. Rather, he calls Titus, our William or Luke or Tim, to urgent action. You see, when faced with counterfeits, the solution is to flood the market with the real deal and remove the fakes. And so Paul wants to flood Crete with truth teachers who will rebuke the false teachers, which fits with Paul's key salvation principle in this, his How to Save Crete manual. 1 verse 1, knowledge of the truth accords with godliness in the hope of eternal life. Appoint truth teachers. It produces Christians who live godly lives. This gospel saves the lost. Well, today we're going to see the 
urgency and the necessity of doing this. And we'll see that we all have a role to play. But who are Titus and his army of truth teachers to rebuke? Well, Paul gives Titus a two-step tutorial in how to identify false teachers based on our crucial relationship. Knowledge of the truth leads to godliness. First, look at their teaching, their truth. And second, look at their lives, their lack of godliness. Let's zoom in on the first part, their teaching. What is it? How has it gone viral on Crete? Point one, lies. Their teaching is deceptive and deadly. Point one, lies. Their teaching is deceptive and deadly. Paul's urgent tone throughout the passage reflects the deadly nature of this false teaching. Please look back down with me at verses 10 and 11 in the passage, page 1200, if you have closed your Bibles. Verse 10 and 11, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. There are many insubordinate, that is, rebellious teachers. Their words have nothing useful in them. Worse, they are deceptive. Paul tells us of the effect of their teaching and their motives. They must be silenced because their teaching is upsetting whole families. Now, Upsetting here is a bit of a weak word. The word is more like destroying families who have been transformed by the life-giving gospel are being ripped away from it by those teaching for shameful gain what they know they ought not to teach. Doing the opposite of true teachers, undoing their work, teaching lies for cash. Verses 13 to 15 give us a window into what they are teaching. Look back down with me, midway through verse 13. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. Now, Paul doesn't tell us exactly what their message was. We can say that they have turned away from teaching the apostolic gospel, the word of God, to teach Jewish myths and human commands. Just imagine for a minute that you had a new starter in your workplace and your boss gave you the company training manual and asked you to train them. But as you run the training you, you decide to omit what you don't like and you add in some of your own rules and sprinkle in there a bit of the company gossip into what you teach. Well, that would be unacceptable. How much more so for the gospel? God has revealed the truth to us. Teachers must teach it and not change it. Paul's instructions telling Titus how to deal with these liars suggests that their deceptive teaching has two aspects to it. Firstly, powerless purity. Powerless purity. 
This circumcision party, they appear to teach that you must do certain Jewish Old Testament commands in order to be pure in God's eyes. You see, under the Old Testament system, eating certain foods and doing certain activities meant that people were unclean, cut off from before God. These teachers are saying avoiding some foods or doing some rituals is still needed to be pure in God's eyes. But Jesus Christ appeared and by his death has done away with the Old Testament purity laws. You see, purity was never an external thing. Those Old Testament rituals were visual aids to help us understand sin and the inner defilement that it causes that cuts us off from God. But anyone who has believed in Jesus's sin-bearing death has been washed clean by his blood. Verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure. Christ's death has made us clean in God's eyes, inner cleansing, all things are pure to the Christian. Not that all we ever do now is perfect, we still sin, but we can't be made unclean by external things. We can't be cut off from God. But they teach, if you want to be really sure you're pure in God's eyes, you just need to get circumcised or eat the right foods or keep the right religious days or even abstain from marriage. But it's a lie. Jesus' death is enough to purify us. These acts are powerless to purify. It is a wicked, deadly thing to teach people this. Now, some of you know that earlier this year, a group of us visited one of our mission partners, Peter Maturi, who's based out in Kenya. Now, I'm a little bit of a nervous traveller, so I packed tons of sun cream and mosquito spray and even some water purifying tablets, which we had to use on occasion. Anyway, on our final night in Kenya, Peter just casually dropped into conversation that two weeks earlier, they'd found cholera in the water supply. And so they were boiling all their water now. Well, I almost fell off my chair. I, I think he knows me so well that he decided not to tell me to stop me from worrying. Turns out those water purifying tablets were essential. Just imagine for a minute if they had been fakes and we drank water that we thought had been purified. Potentially fatal. Well, how much more deadly is this false teaching making people think that they are pure when they're not. But I can see some of us sat here with raised eyebrows. Hang on, this is basic stuff. This is Mark chapter 7, Christianity Explored week 3. Why are the Christians on Crete falling prey to this sort of false teaching? What's attractive about it? Well, two answers. Firstly, The false teachers are saying that they're offering something that the Cretans don't already have. They're offering them purity and twisting the Bible to back it up. Oh, we're the real God, guys, not Paul. You want to be really pure? You want to get closer to God? God just wants you to do this extra ritual. Tick this box to make sure you're really in the right with God. And look, the Old Testament says so. 
but it is like a Venus flytrap, luring you in, offering you something you think you don't have. It's deadly. People teach the same sort of message today. It can be common in Roman Catholic or Orthodox teaching or Anglo-Catholics or liberals within the Church of England. They still talk about Jesus. They look religious. They have an air of authenticity, making them harder to spot. But any message that downplays the truth, that Jesus' death alone is enough to make us right with God, well, that is deceptive, deadly. In Kenya, just this year, hundreds of people died in a cult where they were taught that you'll meet Jesus if you fast. I am so sorry if you have been taught a form of the Christian gospel that is false. Please keep listening to our series in Titus as we think about what the real gospel is. This alone is reason to urgently want to raise up people to teach the truth because many people today are being deceived into believing a deadly false gospel. Our world, tricked into thinking Christianity, is about what they perceive to be dull, unnecessary, okay for you but not me religion. That is not the gospel. But there is a second reason why this teaching is appealing, which is the second aspect of their deceptive message. Part two, camouflage Christianity. You see, their teaching is so focused on doing certain religious acts that they either don't teach or they actively permit in their teaching sinful behavior in the rest of life. I've called it camouflage Christianity, teaching that doesn't encourage Christians to live transformed lives out in the world, just blend in. In fact, camouflage Christianity is the inevitable product of teaching a message of powerful, of powerless purity. Because the truth leads to godliness, lies lead to ungodliness. And that's why Paul spends chapter two describing the godly lifestyle to counteract these lies. Now, of course, it won't be presented in this language. Remember, it's deceptive teaching. It's hard to spot. But if you boiled it down, they say the good thing that God really cares about is about you carrying out these religious acts. But God is fine with what you do in the rest of life. They might even justify their ungodly teaching by misusing and twisting what the Bible says. It's appealing because it removes the demand to live a publicly Christian life. But that is not the real gospel. It's Christianity without the cost. The gospel is not a how to blend in manual. No, God's strategy to save our ungodly society is to send out Christians to live radically distinctive lives in the world so that we're shining adverts of the good life that only the gospel produces. Just imagine for a minute the, the woman who broke it off with a non-Christian boyfriend because Jesus teaches that sex is within marriage only. But now these teachers are telling her that she'll have a really close relationship with God if she follows the church festival calendar and, and goes on pilgrimage. That's what matters. And she drifts back into that relationship. 
Can you see the appeal of that teaching? Or the Christian who's changed how he behaves in the office. His colleagues hate the fact that he won't lie anymore or crack crude jokes about the boss. But now these teachers say he just needs to focus on church stuff. Be at mass every week to be in God's good books. And he goes back to his old ways. Fiddling the spreadsheets. Bad-mouthing the boss in the WhatsApp chat. Camouflage Christianity is not Christianity. It cuts against God's salvation strategy. I don't know if you've uh, ever seen a minor celebrity out in public. I walk past the actress who plays Gail from Coronation Street sitting unnoticed on a bench. Some of you might not watch or know what Coronation Street is. Maybe ask your mum or your gran. Anyway, my... uh, My in-laws, they egged me on to get a photo with her, which I sent to my gran and my mum. Anyway, I bet we pass celebrities out on the street all the time. Some will try and blend in to try and avoid being noticed by annoying people like me. Sure, when they're on the set, you would spot them. But in public, they don't want to be seen. Camouflaged. Be the best at religion on Sundays. That's what God really cares about. But you can blend in the rest of the time. Beware of teachers who approve of ungodly lifestyles against the plain teaching of the Bible. This teaching is rife within the Church of England. Yes, their reasoning today may be different. Oh, the the world will never accept the Bible's teaching on Christian behaviour. That's outdated. It doesn't really matter. Lies. You cannot play pick and mix with God's truth. Beware of teaching that requires religious observance rather than radically transformed living in our offices and lecture halls, in the gym and the pub, in the bedroom or the boardroom. As our society gets more ungodly, camouflage Christianity will become more appealing. Many people today are being deceived. Do we care? How to spot a false teacher, point one. Their teaching is deadly and deceptive. Camouflage Christianity, powerless purity. How to spot a false teacher, point two. Ungodly, their lives expose their lies. Ungodly, their lives expose their lies. We said that last week, the key mark of a Christian teacher is that the gospel has transformed them. These false teachers, they have a a religious veneer. But Paul shows that they are the kings of camouflage Christianity. Their lives are ungodly like the rest of the world. Paul's criticism is threefold. Their lives are Cretan, impure and God-denying. Cretans. I wonder, did you think that uh, verse 12 sounded a bit like an odd tangent bit like lobbing in a Shakespeare quote in the middle of a work report. Paul here throws in a quote from a famous Cretan writer writing about Cretans. Well, Paul says that this quote describes the lifestyle of the false teachers. Look back down with me at verse 12. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them. 
that is the false teachers, sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. The false teachers live lives just like the Cretans in the culture around them, and they affirm their lifestyle in their teaching. These teachers are liars, twisting the Bible, not teaching the true gospel. They're lazy gluttons. They have uncontrolled appetites just in it for the cash. They're evil beasts. Their behavior is wicked. Anything goes morality. Yeah, dressed up in religious clothes, an appearance of piety, no different from society. Paul doubles down in verse 15. Nothing that they do is pure. Verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. If you don't believe in the purifying death of Christ, or if you seek to add to his purifying work, you remain defiled, impure. In fact, nothing that you do is pure. Paul has his spiritual CT scanner out to analyze their defiled inner beings. Because they've rejected the truth of Christ's purifying work, they remain impure on the inside. All that they think and do is impure. What they believe and the actions that they approve of in their conscience are defiled. They cannot think rightly or make godly decisions. This actually explains how someone who seems super religious can also teach camouflage Christianity. Super religious, yet super permissive. Some of you may have asked, how can the two coexist? Great question. Well, it's plausible, rather highly likely. Because when someone rejects the truth of the gospel, they teach lies. Their mind becomes defiled. So they cease to be able to make godly decisions. They cannot approve the good life that God wants. And so ungodliness will certainly follow. No truth, no godliness. And so Paul lands his knockout blow in verse 16. Titus silenced them because they profess to know God, but deny him by their works. They claim to be the God people but their actions speak louder than words. Their lives say the opposite to their words. Their behavior is Cretan. They are, verse 16, detestable, impure in God's sight, disobedient. They don't submit to the apostles' teaching. And so they're unfit for any good work. Jesus graciously died to purify for himself a people, zealous for good works. Titus 2, verse 14. But take away God's grace, the engine that drives Christian change. You have no power to change. You can do no good in God's eyes. They profess to know God, but deny him by their works. You may have watched the TV show Line of Duty, where a a unit of police officers, AC-12, are tasked with as the boss says, I won't do the impression, I tried to do it at the 4pm and it was bad. So they say, nicking bent coppers. Anyway, their job is to find corrupt police officers. The police, they're the, they're the good guys, tasked with catching criminals, but some of them are corrupt. They wear the police uniform, they look like the good guys, 
but the lives of a corrupt police officer is exposed. They act like criminals. So AC12's job is to expose them. They can't be trusted. They're dangerous deceivers. The false teachers are the same. They claim to be the God guys, but they deny him by their lifestyle. They wear the religious clothes. They're in the religious buildings. They're in the recognized denominations, but they haven't been transformed by the gospel. Their lives are just like people in the world around them. Those who follow them will learn by example. These teachers must be rebuked in the hope that they may repent. How to spot a false teacher? One, listen to their message. It's deadly and deceptive. Two, on godliness. Their lives expose their lies. Tonight's passage is a call to action in three areas. Firstly, beware of this sort of false teaching, this false gospel of powerless purity, camouflage Christianity. Secondly, our personal godliness. Instead of camouflage Christianity, we must be committed to living transformed lives in the world that are shining adverts for the gospel of Christ. This is a crucial part of God's strategy to see our world one for Christ. We all have a part to play and remember the glorious grace of God that we'll sing about in a minute, the engine that drives transformation. Thirdly, there is an urgent need to raise up more Bible teachers Appointing transformed teachers is step one of God's plan to save London. We need to flood the market with transformed teachers to teach the truth and rebuke those who contradict it. Among some of us, there might be a hesitancy to step forward into Bible teaching ministry, say in RML or in Sunday school. It's a, it's a weighty, but it is a vital task to teach the truth, to teach the Bible. Many of us should be involved in some sort of Bible teaching ministry. I'm so thankful that as a church, we run our associate scheme to to train Christian leaders, men and women to teach the Bible. I'm so thankful for how, as a church, we partner in that work, prioritizing, prioritizing it in our prayers and with our pounds supporting our associates. We must maintain that priority Praise God for four from our congregation stepping forward to be trained as associates this year. London needs many more. There could be many more from among our number. If you've been seen to be living a transformed life, you could be part of this aspect of God's salvation strategy for London, for the UK or another part of the world. Maybe you know someone who you think would make a great associate. Tell them. Just imagine if William's inbox tomorrow morning was filled with a list of suggestions of potential associates as we each prayerfully look round at those whose lives have been transformed by the gospel. Why not send William an email? I'm sure he would be delighted. 999 emergency, we have a major problem. Do we care about the deceptive teaching 
that is leading Christians and many in our nation astray. What will we do about it? Because we're striving for no less than the salvation of London, of our nation, of the world. We can push back the tide of false teaching. It's possible. Appointing transformed teachers is the essential first step to seeing that the truth is taught. Let's pray now for the Lord to raise up many, many workers for the harvest field. Our Heavenly Father, we look out on our city and know that there are many empty talkers, deceivers, teaching a deadly false gospel that downplays the death of your most precious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you would thrust out Bible teachers into London to teach the truth and give us boldness to live transformed lives wherever you have placed us that are shining adverts of the gospel of Christ. Please, would many in our city, our nation, our world come to know the saving gospel of the Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.